0: Hello and welcome again to another UK Run Chat podcast. Uh, Myself Matt Upson is at the helm again today, and I'm joined by a special guest, Andy from Ocean Physio. Andy is a local legend down here in Devon and works with lots of performance athletes as well as uh, kind of non-performance athletes like myself, slow ones who uh, need a bit of support, a bit of guidance on their on their journey within running. Good morning, Andy.
1: Good morning. Thanks, Matt. I don't know about local legend, but uh, thanks for the intro.
0: Yeah, definitely a local legend as far as I'm concerned. You've got me on the uh, straight and narrow a few times. Um, so, give us a bit more of a background of yourself and, uh, and yeah, tell us a bit about your business and what you do and kind of, yeah, just fill us in.
1: So, yeah, hi, hello to everyone. I'm Andy. I'm a physio based down in Devon. We've got a kind of a large team at a clinic called Ocean Physio and Rehab. So, we've got physios, massage therapists, podiatrists, that kind of thing. Um, based down in Devon, we've got several clinics, one at the university, one in East Devon. And a few roundabout. So it's great. Really enjoy it. Um, really great clinic. Great bunch of team people that we work with. Um, and I love running. So I've always run. Um, running is something I've done all my life just because I really enjoy it. And I love working with runners.
0: Brilliant. You've been out for a run this morning, haven't you?
1: I have, yeah. I've been out up on the coast path because I live down near the coast path. So I've been out on the coast path this morning, which was really nice actually today. So How are Uh it's probably about I don't i we'll probably get into this, but I'm not timing distance at the moment. Um having a little bit of a non distance timing thing, non non technology time. I'm not sure, probably about five miles, something like that.
0: Right, you're just running for yourself?
1: Just yeah, I'm just kind of running for myself um because I got really competitive the last couple of years, did a couple of marathons over the last couple of years, and got really kind of time heavy and very specific on distance and heart rate and all that sort of stuff, which was great at the time, really helped me do the marathons. But now I've kind of stopped that. I I, I think you've listened to it, but there's a podcast I did with a guy called Ray Elston, who's an 81-year-old runner, um, who is an amazing man who kind of ran. I did a little run alongside him, and he didn't have a watch on and nothing like that. And I kind of was inspired by him. So I took the watch off, stopped using Strava, and I'm just running for fun at the moment. uh, But that might change in the future.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant. I listen to that podcast. And for those who listen to this one, if you want to search those out, they're amazing. Listen to Ray. He's 82, isn't he? And he's still running a 10K in, what was it, 52 minutes?
1: Yeah, he's an amazing guy. So he only started running when he was 50 um, and has basically built up over the years and at 81, ran a 51-minute 10K. He's an amazing guy. The, the, The day I met him, I was kind of running along quite pleased with myself, having done five miles, and he was jogging beside me at a real good pace. And I was in the middle of a 12 mile run, really hilly run, um, no watch, nothing. I was just like, okay, this guy's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, I spoke to him and it was great, really inspiring.
0: I think the thing that kind of caught me from the podcast you did with him was actually a lot of his trainings on hills. I'm a real fan of hills, they kill me. But, you know, it's always been said to me um, a friend of mine, Karen Seal, used to tell me, you know, hills are speed work in disguise. And it's, um, it's definitely true. If you can kind of smash a hill, it races then become so much easier
1: yeah I mean he he to use that phrase himself and it's inspired me so I've gone out now kind of off-road hilly not worrying about time and just really enjoying that not to say I will not go back to that in the future but right now I'm just really enjoying getting it out and about and running around without that kind of added pressure of Strava and times and heart rate and that kind of thing
0: yeah, it's quite easy to fall into that, isn't it? I think that when we come on to talk about injuries, I think that can also be a bit of an issue why people end up getting injured because they push themselves rather than listen to their bodies. But um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm terrible for that. I've been, I've been laid out for a while and uh, I'm back out Then I'm kind of beating myself up at the fact I'm not as fast as I was. And I've got to kind of remember that it takes a while to get back the speed and the kind of uh, fitness you once had. So um, totally. yeah, it, it is a bit of a struggle. Um, so obviously you're doing lots of coastal path running at the moment. Is that is trail running kind of your favourite kind of go to, or have you always been a road runner, or what's your background? Uh,
1: well, my background is basically road running, um, but but well, in essence, I would say I kind of grew up in Devon and was essentially running on the trails, but mainly training for football. And then I went into running a lot at university, but just for fun. And I only actually have really done competitive running in the last sort of seven or eight years or ten years. I did a couple of tri I built up for a triathlon. I did a couple of triathlons which I really enjoyed. Um and they were great sort of consistency for me. But then I actually sort of realised I enjoyed the running bit a bit more than the other two bits. So then I did a bit more running. Did a couple of ten K races um which were really good sort off road ten K races. Then I thought right I'll do a half. I did a couple of halves which I really enjoyed Uh, the biggest sort of events and I thought right I'll have a go at a marathon and yeah the first time didn't go very well, Uh, it went very well for the first half, I made all the the classic mistakes that you should make in your first marathon, I ticked off very nicely in that I went off, it was incredibly hot, really boiling hot day, I had a time in mind and for some reason on the start line just thought nah I'm just going to go for it and just absolutely went for it, and then the first half marathon, thought, oh wow, this is really going well. I've like PB half marathon. I'm really pleased with that, and then had that crushing realization, of thinking, I think I might have gone a bit quick there, and then spectacularly hit the wall at 20 miles, which had never happened to me before. So then I had to do another one to get to kind of make sure that I didn't do that again, and um, I did that, and that was last year. But now well, that's I good, I'll, and now I'll probably move off road. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm i similar. I've only done one marathon. It put me off for life. But um, uh, yeah, I did the same. I went off far too fast. I think it's quite a common thing for people who are kind of new to it, isn't it? If you've not got that kind of running backward, you feel good on the day, you're going to get swept along by the crowd and suddenly you realise you're doing really well. But then forget second half is going to be a lot longer than the first half. It's um,
1: a long way. Yeah. It's a long way a to long do way. a marathon. And I think I was kind of, I, I've i sort of got a history of applying for marathons. Like well, I trained in London 20 plus years ago. and. I thought I'd do the London Marathon but I've kind of sort of applied every year since then and not got in and then I've done nine
0: times now and still haven't got in
1: (laughs) yeah I've probably done about 20 um (laughs) so then I thought well maybe I'll have a go at the um good for age time and the good for age time was all set I was kind of going for that and then about 10 days before this is like in 2018 they they dropped the time by 10 minutes which is a lot obviously And um, rather than just thinking that's not going to happen, I thought I'll have a go at that instead about a week before. And then that kind of meant my timing, my timings were out for that. So it didn't kind of work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty awful. So what's your favorite distance then? You've done kind of most race race distance. What's your favorite distance? Uh,
1: Probably in reality to go out running, probably just with time, probably about 45 minutes that type of thing okay so i think you know i did i did the marathon on i'm just quite busy so i did the marathon my maximum mileage was about 35 miles in a week so in order to get significantly better at the marathon i knew i'd I'd have to do a lot more than that and i just haven't really got the time i quite like going out for half hour 40 minutes um i'm really enjoying it and getting back and then at the weekend maybe go a bit longer but yeah, I, I do, I I do well. just enjoy it, yeah, I just enjoy running. But I don't want it to become an absolute chore that it's something that I need to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be getting that kind of that kind of rut, isn't it? Where you know you've got to go and do something and it's like kind of I've got to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't feel right, it doesn't you know, but you're just dragging yourself out and it, it doesn't become enjoyable then, does it?
1: It does for me. I probably do like two, one or two events a year and I'd like I'd like to say I wasn't that what i didn't need that but i think i probably do i probably do need something to aim for and kind of work towards and it kind of helps me to do that um so i probably would will probably do something in in the next year or two um but yeah probably off road
0: yeah so i'm i'm trying to look at races again because obviously i need that external motivation a little bit i'm not very good with um kind of just ticking over um and i've had so many races this year obviously with covid cancelled um but I've noticed a lot of the trail racers started up again because, also they can manage it with smaller numbers in the field and they can do a bit of kind of – they can stagger starts and so on. So it seems a lot easier for them to, to get started again. Um, and one of my favourites is the Wild Night Run. Have you ever heard of those?
1: Oh, right. The Wild
0: out. Running, Wild Night Runs. Um, so it's all head torches across Dartmoor or kind of on Dartington Estate or whatever. So I might put myself down for one of those in the early spring. That sounds good. Um, just to get going again. But um, – yeah that's still well but beef is still talking about um doing a half ironman so that is also in the offering maybe in september next year so um, i think that'd
1: be good yeah so i didn't do my triathlons weren't as long as that but i can see the appeal when you do loads and loads and loads of training and then you do when an, oh, where, yeah, yeah when i did loads of training for the for the yeah. tr- for the triathlons and then you sort of do a sprint or an olympic they sort of the actual event is relatively short. You sort of think, oh, you know, I probably could go a bit longer and enjoy the actual event a bit long, a, a bit more. So I can see the appeal of a half Ironman, although, again, the, the distances are quite extreme.
0: Yeah, I think for me, the the worry about half Ironman, and I've said that if Beef does it, I'll do it with him. Because we were going to do it last year, but then obviously COVID kind of cancelled it. Um, I'm quite glad to be honest. I was never in a state where I was actually properly fit for it, either. I did a couple of triathlons last year, not fully fit, and it, you get frustrated. But um, I find with a sprint, especially, you, you're on you're on the red line, continuing from the moment the start the start of the race to the end of the race. Whereas at least with something a little bit longer, you can set into a bit of a rhythm and kind of plod it through. But I even found with the Olympic distance, I find it I enjoy the Olympic far more than the sprint because you you do get a chance to settle into what you're doing. But it's still, I think. I quite like the idea of a challenge of a longer one, but I'm still also absolutely petrified about the fact that it's a long way.
1: It's a long way, um, yeah. But I think, as you say, I think you can enjoy enjoy the experience a bit more because, like I say, with sprint triathlons, you'll sort of feel like you are redlining that whole way round and absolutely maxing out. Whereas you just can't do that with a half Ironman, so it's kind of a different a different concept, which I did find quite difficult with the marathon. I have to say because. I quite like running fast or feeling like I'm running fast and the patience of a marathon was quite a difficult discipline for me.
0: It's a different mind game as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's rather than just for, It's just rather than kind of putting yourself in the horrible kind of zone and kind of just fighting your way through it, which you can do on short races. You've got to kind of just, it's the long game, isn't it? It's kind of just making sure your head's in the right space so you to continue at that pace for that time.
1: Well, and That's where, for that type of training, that's where heart rate training really helped me because I'm not, brilliant at perceiving how fast how how much effort I'm putting into it so I found the heart rate training really changed my ability to cope with that so that was kind of it, it, I needed educating on that personally you know how it, how it felt because um, it always feels amazing for me in the first mile and then I realized I'm running like really ridiculously fast or you know so it, that heart rate training really helped that discipline for me.
0: Yeah, I hope to do a do a session a podcast with Andy from um, X Y Science, and obviously I want to talk to him a lot about heart rate training because obviously he knows all about it. And it's something that I've always looked at to do, but I don't really know enough of it. A bit like it sounds like you, but I want to try and look at it, especially if we're going to half Ironman training, just to make sure that I can do it properly rather than getting injured.
1: Well, I, I did train with him. I did I did I did all the, the profile testing and lactate testing with him, and. Um, he it's just really efficient so he will give you proper zones and you will get proper zones where you think i need to train this session in that zone this session in that zone and this session in the other zone and it kind of adds something to the variety of training it makes it a bit more interesting because you're doing different things all the time and it helped me a lot
0: mm-hmm. yeah brilliant so should we get on with this podcast about injuries that's what we were here for in the first place but i could talk about running all day um <laughs> so let's get started you know you're a physio. You work in a in a predominantly a clinic, predominantly that see athletes. Um, you know what's the most common issues you normally see with runners? What you, what is the kind of go to thing? Is there a common thing that you see?
1: I would sort of describe the main thing. We don't just work with athletes. We work with everyone. So the most thing I see with runners is what I describe as sort of over enthusiasm injuries, essentially doing too much too soon. I think the, the simple way to think about running injuries is that because running so addictive and it feels it's a bit like a drug, it feels so amazing when you go running that you want to do more and more and more of it. And in essence, you, your cardiovascular system, so sort of your engine, improves much more quickly than your body, your chassis. And then you've got this really toned engine fairly quickly, and the body can't quite keep up. So that kind of over enthusiasm of doing quite a lot of mileage quite quickly. Causes problems.
0: So, would you suggest the ten cent rule is a, is definitely the way forwards?
1: It's massive, yeah. So, I think it's it's really easy to say that, but incredibly difficult to do. So, if you the thing the thing that watches are really good for is plotting your time and mileage. If you can understand exactly how much mileage you're doing in a week, and then keep that really consistent and, and like even under ten percent for for some time it really will help you build that base. It's so difficult. And when I look at times when I've been injured, I've got over-enthusiastic and thought, oh, this is great, I'm really enjoying my running, I'm getting loads of fish, I'm doing really well. And then you increase ridiculously quickly and it's so hard not to because you're just enjoying it so much. And then and then something something starts hurting or you get some kind of breakdown somewhere.
0: Yeah, because it's not all about just 10% on your run distance, is it? It's about your weekly mileage as well. I think people get hung up on the fact that I've done 10K, so I can then do 11 and build it up that way. But if you're building your mileage, it's about your mileage in the week, isn't it? It's not just about your actual one-off run distance. It's about how much you do in a week is more important. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Patrick Sang, who's kind of Kipchoge's coach, has got this brilliant phrase that he says, slowly by slowly. And that's how he tries to get people better slowly by slowly. And I always kind of use that phrase in my head of thinking with runners, if you can just be super patient and just improve slowly by slowly by keeping it really consistent for several months, then you'd generally be okay. It's just these really quick peaks and also quite big troughs where people can do you know, double mileage one week compared to the previous week that just causes problems.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm the worst one for that. My head tells me I can do kind of serious training, even though I've had a couple of weeks off or injury or whatever, and I go back and I kind of then go back into all or nothing, and then I end up back in square one, which is, I think it's quite a classic for a lot of runners, isn't it? I think you forget the fact you've had a couple of weeks off or you're injured or you've been unwell or whatever, and you kind of try and go back in at the same level rather than building back up.
1: Absolutely, yeah, And, and there's loads of challenges out there where people maybe haven't run before or haven't run ever or haven't run, for six months and they come back and try and run every day for a month or something and that's just like really hard unless you're doing relatively small distances you know and you can build it up very gradually to run repeatedly every day is just quite challenging um and you, your engine will cope with it fairly quickly but like i say your chassis is going to find that your body's going to find that quite quite a, quite a challenge
0: yeah so um so, is it tend to be legs? Do you, do you tend to see kind of hamstrings? Is it kind of knees? What, what yeah, so lower limb, see?
1: lower limb, and lower back type issues. Um, yeah. But in essence, overload related issues right. due to either predominantly mileage related issues. So, if if you actually, it's a lot easier now than it used to be because you can just say, "Somebody, show me your Strava account," and they'll come straight up with the mileage they're doing every week, and it's normally really obvious so that you can just sort of say, "Well, look, you've you've gone from ten miles to twenty miles to thirty miles or something like that." Um, it's just mm. just a massive increase. It's that type of thing, so that you can get on kind of bone-related issues with that, or sort of joint-related problems, or or soft tissue-related problems, and it's all that kind of area.
0: Where do you sit on the shoe the shoe debate? Do you think um, you know, shoes are a massive deal breaker when it comes to injuries, or do you think it's more the the body and getting built, getting used to what you're doing?
1: I think shoes are kind of basically wear what's comfortable where where, whatever, yeah. you've, whatever you've got that's comfortable, whatever you're happy with, um, will normally do, do you really well. Broadly speaking, for the vast majority of people, a good neutral trainer is going to really be better than most other things, like really extremist minimalist trainers or really extreme stability trainers on the other side of the spectrum kind of are yeah. quite specialist trainers, for, and they shouldn't be worn by everyone. Um, you need to be able to... Most people... We're built to run, yeah running's good for you and most people mm. will do pretty well with a good pair of neutral trainers if they build their mileage up gradually
0: yeah yeah that's my belief as well um so on that kind of injury side of it um this is courtesy of beef because beef added this to my kind of notes um when do you think an athlete should really go and see some professional advice if they've got an injury or a niggle is it a case of resting it for a while and then if it doesn't go away see someone or do you think people should see or get get advice early
1: I think it depends. So I think you've got to accept that with running, you've got to understand the difference between aches and pains that are natural from just coming into running. Running is hard; it's physically quite hard on the body, certainly initially. And you will pick up little niggles and strains. And and often, most of the time, if you just have a sensible training plan and work your way through it very gradually, they'll be fine, absolutely fine. You you come through it; and it won't be an issue. If something's not going away and repeatedly or certainly if it's getting worse or if it's really really painful then yeah you need to speak to somebody and find out what it is but most of the time if you just have a really sensible approach you can minimize most injuries
0: yeah it what do and obviously in in a run i think the classic i hear i see quite a lot and I'm, i'm guilty of it as well is if you might take a little stumble or you or you might feel something's not quite right but rather than stopping and going right okay that's it for today lots of people run through it don't they and uh, that's probably not a good idea, is it?
1: Uh, yeah, it can't be. Yeah, it's not a good idea. If, it, if it's getting worse, you need to need to pack it in and see what's going on. But I think it's it's trying to balance and learn. It's all a learning game running. It's learning to understand your body and learning to understand certain parts of running are pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it, it, as you get into more and more running, you kind of get used to that feeling of it feeling kind of uncomfortable. And the... The better you get at tolerating that feeling of feeling a bit uncomfortable, the better the, better the runner you'll be. Um, but once it becomes painful, then, yeah, you need to look into it.
0: Yeah, I, I have this kind of stunning phrase I'm coaching uh, my uh, my running club is the fact that, you know, if you want to go fast, you want to beat a time, you've got to get more and more used to sitting in that hurt box and kind of just accepting the pain. Um and you C- can certainly see for,
1: for certain parts of training I think that's where really understanding your training really helps so at certain runs, so like maybe 20% of your runs will be towards that limit, so if you've got a normal sort of training program where you've got like a long slow run, the vast majority of people would do that long slow run basically too fast so if you slow down for the slow run that really helps, so that's not that uncomfortable and then at the top end, if you've got a faster run in there most people would do that faster run, basically too slow. So they yeah. do a very similar run all the time. They're always running three or four miles. That's They they always do that. They do that three, four, five times a week. And that variety, the body doesn't like that. If you get variety in there and have a, lot, a, a long slow run that is genuinely slow and a faster run that's genuinely quite fast, and then some intervals in there which reduce the ground reaction time, which minimize the time your body's pounding on the pavements, intervals can be your biggest friend um yeah that that's that's a big thing that i would say is variety in running and then cross training with things like cycling and stuff as well that's why triathlon's so amazing because it's you're always even if you're training twice if you do two of those disciplines a week that's six times a week and that's a lot of training so that's great
0: yeah i mean that's why i came to triathlon that's why i ended up doing it because i was getting injured quite regularly from doing too much mileage and someone said you should really kind of mix mix it up a bit get on the bike, go for a swim, and kind of the rest was history really um it yeah it's just it's good for the body isn't it
1: It's is good for the body, and also when you if you have a I, um, niggle from running you can you can cycle more often than not, you can cycle and do a really long good cycle, and it'll be fine and you're still maintaining that engine,
0: yeah, I am. Um, yeah the the running club that we the uk the extra based uk run chat running club is quite weird because we don't actually run people laugh at us when i say that but we don't do like long runs together because it's a real mixed bag of people we you know we've got different fitness levels different speeds so i tend to do interval training or hill work or fartlek with them so that everyone can work together everyone can be together for a period of time but we do the sessions that you don't want to go and do in the dark winter nights and it means that actually, I've you know personally, I've done a massive improvement, and other people I know have as well. Because those are the sessions people tend to shy away from. I don't know about you, but it's much. I find that most people are much happier to go out and do a five, ten k run where they're going off with their with their old podcast on or they're doing whatever and it feels comfortable. But they're not so keen on doing the kind of the hard sessions.
1: Uh, absolutely. Have you heard of um, Zatopek, Emil Zatopek? So he's a runner from 90, no. the 1950s. So. He's a very famous runner from the 1950s. And basically, he's the only man ever to run in the Olympics and gold medal, the 5K, the 10K, and the marathon. And he basically won the the marathon in his first effort. This is um, Helsinki, I think it was, 52. Anyway, he only ever ran intervals. That's all the training he ever did was interval training. Never did anything else other than interval training. Um, There's a great book on him called um, Today We Die A Little. It's a brilliant book for any runner who's keen on reading running books. But essentially, he was just an incredible guy who trained solely intervally and went on his first marathon was like 228 or something ridiculous. Um, Won won the gold medal. But interval training is really, really good for the body because you work hard. It trains that top end of your kind of lactate um, threshold. It really works you hard. But actually, you're not on the floor for that much. So you can do a hard session of 30 seconds on, 30 seconds walk, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds walk. And it really, really works. For a lot of yeah. runners getting back from injury, that would be the session we, we get them to do. So, it, so basically walk, run. Um, so they're actually running at a reasonable pace, 30 seconds, and then walking. So the, for the fast running is kind of very low impact on the body.
0: That sounds brilliant. I'm glad that we're doing the right thing then. So how can how can runners help themselves? How can they stop themselves getting injured? What kind of top tips do you kind of give your uh, runners to try and keep away from injury?
1: Uh, well, I think it's really the first thing is to do the basics really well. So understand mileage, understand time on your feet, understand that if you can do several months of a very similar amount, it will serve you better than being over-enthusiastic and going at it too quickly. So several months of consistent, sort of slowly by slowly efforts, really really helped. Um, and adding into that probably some cross training, so that you, if you're if you're keen to, if it's not enough for you and you want to do some more, that's fine. Get out on a bike, sit on a bike, um, on a what bike or something, and just put some put some engine training in. It's that's less heavy on the legs it would really really help. Um, then the main things I'd kind of say. I think the other side of stuff of spending lots of time doing passive work is more debatable. But the biggest thing that would really help the vast majority of people is what I was saying about the engine getting better quickly and the chassis taking time to build up is do some strength work, do some strength and conditioning type work um, that looks at building up some tissue tolerance of getting stronger, looking at if you've got any major flexibility issues and really working on that side of things.
0: Good. So back to what Beef was saying last week with um with kind of squats and pistol squats and single le- legs and lunges and all those kind of bits and pieces, which will aid you in the long run.
1: That Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's a real simple test for that mm. sort of thing that re- is really easy to do is um like a single cal- single leg calf raise. So you go on a bottom step, see how many calf raises you can do in a row. And good runners should be looking to be able to do one a second, getting up towards 30 or 40. Forty being ideal, and if if you can't manage that, then your chances are your calves are fatiguing really quickly. When you're going out on a run, uh, and that will cause some problems. Something like a broad jump, which is like a distance jump, so just a standing long jump, seeing whether you can jump longer than your height. So if you can jump further than your height, it's giving you a good idea that you've got good explosive power pushing through your legs. And I think that kind of ability to look at that um, and, and get a number. And then re-measure it. Really helped.
0: So there we are. So we'll put that out there for everyone over Christmas. So if you tweet into UK Run Chat and also at it, um, add Ocean Physio. You can put in your score for your calf raises on your step, and uh, raise, just tell yeah. us where you are. Yeah, we'll have a bit of a share. So I'll do it later. I'll literally do it after we finish the podcast, and I'll put it out there when we've uh, when we launch the podcast. Um, so see, it's coming up to Christmas. So um, I've got the uh, classic Christmas present ideas guns and uh, and foam rollers, are they any good? Are they worth getting? Um, are there any kind of cautionary tales? Is there anything you can say about them?
1: Uh, so, so massage guns and foam rollers, yeah. um, I would say they, to me, they fall in the category of, sort of marginal gains. And I I'd, I'd think about Bradley Wiggins with that. Bradley Wiggins' quote on marginal gains was, the 1% don't make much difference if you haven't got the other 99%. And yeah. I think that if you can get that if they work for you, fine. I've never used them. But if, if they work for you, I I would say it's fine. You know, th- there's not an issue to use them. But the vast majority of really, really good runners are really, really good because they run really consistently. So they're really consistent in their running. They're really consistent in their recovery. So they sleep well. They eat well. They run really, really consistently and know why they're running. They're not getting there because of things like massage guns and foam rollers. But not to say that if your legs are struggling, they might help. They may do.
0: Where do you sit on ice baths? It's
1: so, uh, quite interesting. Ice baths have had a tough time in the literature recently. They have, yeah. But, uh, ice baths were like, you know, they, they were the, the only thing everyone should be doing. And now, in essence, I think the what they're pretty much saying, from what I can gather, is that ice baths help, visit, uh, you know, the mental state. So they're really amazing for making you feel better psychologically. But actually, from the tissue you know, from the tissues adapting to the work you're doing, they may not actually be that helpful. So if you consistently ice bathing after doing running, you're in essence, the tissues are changing and the tissue tolerance is building up. It might get in the way of that. unfortunately. Okay. That handy they're not
0: very nice. Yeah. See, I'm a wild swimmer, so I do like an ice bath because obviously I'd tend to run then go for a swim on the beach where I finished normally. So, uh, but yeah, not well, as much. I think much. it makes I don't sense with
1: that, that, but I, you know, I I'd do that as well. So I love running, swimming in the sea. Um, I think you just got to really understand why you're doing it. If you've if you've injured yourself and you've sprained something and you and you feel, you know, there's a potential damage there and some bleeding, then you know ice is your friend, isn't it? Because it's going to constrict all the blood vessels and calm everything down for the first couple of days. So brilliant. But if you're wanting tissues to adapt and evolve and grow and strengthen over time, then it, and if it gets in the way of that, then yeah, you know, maybe not.
0: It's quite interesting. So, because I, obviously I do a bit of teaching first aid, and obviously there's been lots of talk about tissue injuries and and how we support them. We always used to talk about ice, whereas they're now talking about a mixture of ice and heat, aren't they? It's it's that kind of combination of two. Yeah, um, and I think
1: that's not again. That's not the, the that's all sort of changed a little bit. So the the phrase optimal load has come out rather than complete rest. So I think yeah. if you injure yourself. By and large, it used to be if you injure yourself, like, don't do anything for ages and make sure that you just completely rest and don't cause any problems. But now they're sort of saying, actually, if you really want things to recover, you're all right to keep going as long as it's not too painful and just push on a little bit. Um, As long as you don't get significantly worse afterwards, it's just that actually speeds up the healing process.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, So that brings on to warming up, really. Um, See... (laughs) There's so much conflicting ideas about what you should do for a warm-up. I have to say, I'm I'm one of those runners that is really poor in the fact that I basically do a slow run. I, my runs start from the front door. I don't do any stretching. I don't do any warming up of any form. But I always kind of am mindful in my first kind of five, ten minutes. I'm going to go easier. So if I'm going to do a fast session, I will do a warm-up of a, of my, of a K or a K and a half before I then go into my harder session. Um, what's your thinking on warm-ups? Should we be doing stretching? Should we, you know, is it okay to just do a gradual warm-up of a run or where do you think we should be, what we should be doing?
1: Well, I think you're probably like the vast majority of runners, including me, some years ago that most people don't do any warm-up. They just, you know, just go for it and just gradually build up. And actually a lot of people just go running really fast, really quickly. And that's, a lot of people do that and don't have any issues. But I would say Broadly speaking, doing some kind of dynamic warm-up and routinely doing it for three or four minutes before you start every single run is massively beneficial. So if you can do that and get in the mindset saying, right, before I go running, I'm definitely going to do this this warm-up and some dynamic, not static stretching, just some dyna- dynamic movements. I can put a little little link out for you for a video on it. We've got one that we use. It's only three or four minutes. It works really, really well. It gives you a chance to stop before you start running to think, well, what am I going out to do here? What's this run about? Get a very similar pattern where you just do that exact same warm-up every single time before you go out. You will feel better when you finish. It just it just is kinder to the tissues. It gives the tissues time to think, okay, something's about to happen. I'm not just sitting at a desk, and now what? next thing you know, I'm running down the road. It's, it's, it's a break in between those two activities. I do it every single time before I go out running, guaranteed. And have done for some years now, and definitely helps my recovery. I do. it I coach football. I do it every single session with the footballers. They they just wouldn't train without doing that. And these are kids, and it's just routine for us. And it just works really well. It just gives a little pause before you start, and then and then you're off. I think it works well.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? I think we always think of running. You know, it's all about our timing, isn't it? As in a lot of us, time pressure. So we we literally go well. Rather than that five minute warm up, we'll spend five more minutes running. That actually is probably not a good idea. That five minutes of spent doing something to get yourself activated is is probably well worth it, because it means you're not going to get injured um, a month or so down the lo- down the road.
1: Yeah, and I've definitely been guilty of that, where your time squeezed and you're thinking, right, well, I'm just going to chuck a quick thirty minute run out there and just go hard for thirty minutes. Which for one session of a week might be fine, but you need. I think it works. It's more disciplined to have a a sensible kind of warm up. Dynamically, um, that's nothing too dramatic. It just takes a few minutes. Actually, it doesn't. It doesn't really take that long, and it will. You will start running better. You, you'll you'll feel better straight away.
0: Brilliant. If you can, when when we release this podcast, if you can kind of put a link out, that'd be great. Um, yeah, that's on, fine. By Twitter, yeah. we can everyone can have a look at that. Then, um, so then that comes to cooling down as well, because obviously cooling down is something that um, I have to say that I'm not the best at doing. I might do a few stretches of the doorstep, but um, I tend to come in and get kind of consumed by family life straight away, which is, I think, the issue of a lot of runners. Um, You know, what should we be doing in a cool-down? What should it look like? Should it be static stretching? Should it be dynamic? Should there be a little bit of kind of... I'm trying to get in the habit at the moment with my fast sessions to... And I always used to be kind of really bad at this. Obviously, being a Strava kind of addict, as I am, I would never do a run at the end of a run which was slower because it would affect my, strama, my Strava kind of detail, um, uh, information. So what I've started doing now is I've, I've stopped my session and then restart again so it's actually been logged separately. And I'll say, right, I'm going to go and do a K or a K and a half of slower running just to kind of bring the body heart rate down and kind of get rid of the lactic acid. Is that a good idea or should we be looking at that something? Sounds, that-,
1: that sounds very really sensible. I think we'll, I'll talk about Strava in a second, but I think it's, it's, the, the evidence behind warming up is pretty strong. So doing some kind of dynamic warm-up, the evidence behind cooling down as some kind of static stretching is very weak. So I think it doesn't make a massive difference. And I think if you can just slow down, um, I think it's more probably more important what you eat or drink immediately. So if you're thinking that you've run hard or you've run long and you need some kind of recovery, probably what you eat or drink at that time is imp- important to hydrate, um, take on a, maybe a, sh- a shake of something with some kind of recovery. Um, component to it or even just milk um that's probably more relevant to you than spending in the next 20 minutes stretching which again no one's got time for i think that would be that would be more relevant um i think that's quite important to get across with strava as well so the, the first reason of why i see people i would say almost a good chunk of that is strava the problem is with strava it's a brilliant tool but it basically compares you always to your best you so always your your personal best. So even on every little segment of every run, it has got the tendency, if you're not careful and you're not disciplined, to turn every run into a race. So you've got to really understand the difference between training, like this is a training run and or this is now a race. So Strava basically is super competitive and it makes everything a race. So you're always racing against your best time on that loop or that segment or that component. And then your leaderboard of all your mates who've done that segment or that route and then everyone who's ever done it it's so easy to be really competitive and absolutely go for it on every single run and i've i have definitely been guilty of that i've I'm, I'm not as bad as uh as that but um
0: i have got a habit now where i'll um i always take my watch with me i can't not take my watch with me i'm pretty I'm impressed that you can do that um i don't know it's just i guess a bit of a get a bit of a techno geek and kind of a bit of a kind of like to look at the stats but i i've been getting to the habit of putting my watch in my bag or in my pocket so i actually can't see it so i know what route i'm going to do and i'll just literally start it put my pocket and run just to try and get away from what you're saying is that whole kind of checking in to see if the pace is good and trying to get back to running on feel
1: yeah exactly i mean i guess it depends what you're doing if i if i'm sort of building up to an event i'll give myself three well, no, definitely more than three, four, five months to build up to that event and then I would be quite kind of time and watch kind of busy with that just because I know that I'm not brilliant at perceiving effort but a lot of elites don't do that at all actually but I would kind of do that um, but then at other times when I'm just running because I just want to get out of the house and do some running then I don't worry about that so much um, Yeah, Strava's a good, really good tool and Garmin and all these things but I think you've just got to know what it's there for And try to be careful with, if you're if you're particularly competitive, which I am, then you just tend to compete with yourself all the time, or or mates, or or look for kind of like thumbs up.
0: Yeah, and it's I've been trying. I mean, Andy from um, Exercise Science has been kind of telling me to not beat myself up and look at heart rate rather than kind of speed, especially with coming back because obviously you can always look at times and how long you've done a course or whatever but the conditions can be completely different your fitness is different it might be a different time of day you know it's all about perceived um, effort isn't it so it's more on heart rate rather than the kind of speed you've done it it just takes a little bit of time to get your head around that idea
1: oh totally yeah I mean when I did my marathon last year so I had a target heart rate to finish and actually I became so in tuned into that that I was kind of more interested whether I hit my target heart rate than my time and it's more it's a bit more forgiving where I knew on on the day that my target heart rate average heart rate is 159 and I actually finished with a heart rate average heart rate of 159 so I knew that on that day I couldn't have given it any more and I just felt that that was a fairer kind of test of the marathon that day irrespective of the time that I ran because the problem is with competitive running which is a little bit why I'm moving towards the trails now. Is that as soon as you say I'm going to run a half marathon, I'm going to run a 10k, I'm going to run a marathon, the next question people ask is, "Oh, what time did you run?" Which is not necessarily the fairest of questions because courses can be very different. Mm-hmm. Time. You know, it can be hot, it can be cold. You know, and it kind of it takes away a little bit of that kind of real competitive stuff about the time.
0: So would you go longer with trail racing? Would you go into the ultras or would you stay at kind of what I call sensible distances?
1: Um, I don't know, really. I haven't really decided. But like, um, so the next podcast we've got coming out on our Asian Physio one is with Jo Meek, who's an ultra runner. Um, and, she, and the, the distances she's, she runs are ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And she's so competitive with it. So she's, you know, f- top finish, top British female finish in the Marathon de Sable she's amazing you know really incredible runner but actually when you speak to her she doesn't do significantly longer training than she would do if she was doing marathon training so and the thing that appeals to me about trail running is that it's not time heavy no one's going to ask what time you run a a trail run in um so i think i don't know i might not even do races might just go and do, do it on my own but i think Ultras, I can see the appeal. I can see the appeal. The thing is, with any running event, and I think Ultras in particular, is that they're so friendly. And the only competition is with yourself, really. The, running is literally the perfect sport, isn't it? It's totally mm. really cheap to do. Everyone's really friendly. Whenever people say to me, Should I get into running? I'll say, you, You'll literally virtually never meet an unfriendly runner. If you're running along and someone's running the opposite way, they'll always give you a little acknowledgement, whether they're running really fast or really slow. It's such a lovely community. So I think trail running kind of appeals to me from that perspective, because I I bet it's really friendly and and not that competitive. Yeah,
0: I completely agree with you. I mean, my experience of road running and trail running is completely different. And I think trail running is a different community completely. Um, I love trail racing because it's just it's a challenge in itself rather than actually being a time thing. It's, you know, that's why you can't look at a 10k speed time. You know, what's your time 10k on a trail race? Because every trail race is different. Um, you know, and some of the some of the places you go to race, and some some of the views you see. I did the classic quarter quite a few times as a team event rather than as a, a wanna, and I just love that race just because Southwest Coast Path, as you know, it's amazing. But amazing. doing that little bit down the bottom by Cornwall, and you can't go wrong as long as, the, as long as the sea's on your left and land's on your right, you're you, you're going the right direction. But it's just beautiful. Oh, and it's you, lovely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're so lucky around here, aren't
0: we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I was thinking out the other day. I I went for an early run along the canal to do a speed session out towards Turf Locks and you know, and the mist was on the on the river and it's like, you know, you, this is a pretty rubbish venue really to go running, isn't it, really? You know? There's other people having to run around the streets in London or whatever. And it's
1: just yeah,
0: far nicer.
1: Oh, it's amazing.
0: So what um so you talk about trail racing, have you got anything planned? Have you got any kind of races in the calendar or kind of things I you're looking have... at? I know COVID is kind of still causing some issues, but I know trail races are starting to pop up again now.
1: I haven't. And I would say that for me, like I was really, really into it and did, did those a marathon in 2018, 2000, 1 in 2019. Um, and then I kind of just enjoyed running and I kind of think I probably will look at something in 2021 or 2022 to have a go at something again. Um, just because it's nice to have something in the diary to have a go at. Um, and a purpose towards your training, but it probably won't be until maybe in the late spring, 2021 or early autumn or something like that. You know, I'll have a look around, but it will it will be off road, um, I think. I'm not gonna do another. The only reason for me to do another marathon would be to try and get a better time. Um, yeah. And I kind of know that I haven't really got the time to commit to significantly more mileage. So,
0: I think the only reason I'd go do another marathon is I finally get that elusive London spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've stopped applying now. They've rejected me too many times, um, and, I, and I didn't get the I didn't get the good for, good for age time. So, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. The only other thing is you know, when you go into another age bracket, you could have a go at it. But I kind of I I love the London marathon. I would love to do it. Um, that's the only thing, only marathon I would do if I did another one would be London. Um, so we'll see.
0: No. yeah it's um yeah it's it, I think it's just one of those things to tick off, isn't it I, I I think everyone who runs you know, I did one attempt at a marathon, I didn't have any because I didn't get it right. I kind of ended up really ill at the end um <clears throat> but I realize why now um but the, I don't like the distance, I have to be honest, I quite happily like half marathon and ten and and five ks uh more half marathon and tens and ten miles actually I'm quite like a ten mile race um especially trail but um i'd be happy to push back to marathon just for london just so i could tick it off and say i've done it really
1: yeah i know what you mean i I think half marathon is a really good distance because you can gradually build up your training and you do feel when you run it that you are basically running fairly fast even if it is taking you you know whatever hour and a half or two hours or whatever but you do feel it's a fairly fast run whereas i felt with the marathon i was holding back the whole time But you do learn a lot from that first, like I learned a lot from the first one compared to the second one. I was so much more patient on the second one and went out so much slower for that first half, which really helped me actually (laughs) complete it running Um, (laughs) and made a massive difference. So I think you do just take a few marathons to kind of learn the distance. You can read what you want and, and speak to who you want, but actually doing it, it takes time to learn how to run them.
0: Yeah, have you ever done the Great West Run?
1: Uh yeah, I have done the Great West Run. Yeah, I did that half, which was really good. Just, I really enjoyed that. It was a great event, actually. I really enjoyed. Just a bit it. hilly. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit hilly, but then kind of a work round there. So I I did loads of training runs around there. So I kind of enjoyed that. Um, I did that a few years ago. Uh, I yeah, it was I, a great, I great event.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I like the kind of support and stuff. You know, especially being a teacher in Exeter, you kind of see all the children that kind of you work with. So it's quite nice. Um, yeah, it's, I find it quite a comical, a half marathon, the fact that it's very heavily stacked with hills in the second half of the half marathon, isn't it? It's all uh, it's all towards the end. So people go off a lot quicker if they don't know what they do, if they haven't done it before or done any of the course, and they go off quick because it's a lot of flat and downhill, and then suddenly you hit halfway, and it's like, yeah, I've got to get all those hills back now.
1: Oh, yeah, and coming up by the uni, and whatever oh, that yeah. is, mile 9 or 10, that is horrendous, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just and running then, up then he, that hill.
0: And then you go down Union Street, and then you end up picking up um, Union Road, sorry, and then you pick up from the roundabout by the Odeon, and then that hill all the way back to the finish line.
1: Yeah, oh, it's hard. It's hard to graph, but yeah, I did enjoy that event. I thought it was really good. But I was, and also finishing in the arena is quite sort of like, um, but like rocky running, running a little lap lap round the uh, around the arena. That was great. I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, the only time I've ever done it with the arena finish, though, was a bit of an eventful one because I was running with Kerry and, uh, and he hadn't trained well enough and we, we, the wheels fell off by the time we hit the, the running track and I was actually carrying him. So, uh, But, yeah, um, that's another story, but hey-ho. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you. For, I, think, I think we're kind of there, aren't we, really? I've kind of got all my questions here. Is there anything you want to add? Is there anything kind of advice, any top tips or advice you can kind of um, pass on your knowledge uh, to people that are listening?
1: I think the main thing is with running is is just enjoy it, do it for fun. There's a lot of sort of na- sort of gentle peer pressure with running, and and you can you just need to listen to your body and do it and do it because you're enjoying it, and and it's amazing feeling as I've said when you get back from a run. It does always feel a bit hard when you start. So t- you know, I used to have a friend who was a psychologist who worked with runners, and I always feel a bit like bit rough when i'm running and i was chatting to him about how elites feel and he he said um i said oh it's a bit rough when i'm running how do the elites manage it and he said the difference is that they expect to feel like that and you're trying not to feel like that so once i kind of learned that i would probably feel a bit rough maybe when i was running and that was fine it meant i was running quite well it totally changed my mindset and so then i don't mind feeling like that and i enjoy feeling like that in a weird way so i think just to go out and just enjoy it and not Put too much pressure on yourself, be relatively kind to yourself with running it makes because yeah. it because it takes several years to build up to a really good level of fitness.
0: yeah, I heard eighteen months until you you kind of feel comfortable within your running speed or running kind of level as it were
1: I think that's 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 pretty good and and that can seem in like a lifetime away, but on the flip side, you sort of think you know someone described running to me as a fair master and i think that's fair enough that if you put a bit into running it will will reward you but if you try and cheat it it you know it will make you stop running so if you just take it steady and build up gradually you will make massive improvements and and anyone can run you know it really it really is a great sport as i said it's the perfect sport it's cheap to do it's incredibly friendly community you can run on your own you can run with a load of mates you can run whenever you want really it's brilliant
0: mm I think the thing to take away from this is actually listen to your body, isn't it? And, and just build up slowly. That's the yeah. key thing, isn't it?
1: Build up slowly, understand mileage, understand pace, understand some kind of strength work alongside just running all the time. A proper dynamic warm-up and recovery fuel will really, really help you.
0: Brilliant. Well, um, thank you very much for joining me today. My
1: um, pleasure.
0: I hope you'll feel, you won't feel upset if I say, I hope, don't, I hope not to see you for a while. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we normally bump into each other at the clinic, either if I'm coming to do spinning with Andy or if, uh, if I'm asking a question in the corridor. Um, but yeah, it, um, thank you very much for joining us today. And it's been really, I've learned lots, let alone everyone else, I'm sure. So uh, thank you. And feel free to, um, to link us in any kind of Twitter kind of stuff or any information you've got. We'd, um, we'd love that. And we'll pass it on to everyone who follows us at UK Run Chat.
1: Brilliant, no um, problem at all.
0: Well, thank you very much.
1: Lovely. All right, Matt, thanks very much.
0: Yeah, bye.